0: The word about the, the bald eagle moulting its feathers, if you, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 40, so go ahead and turn there in, in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 40. And so this bald eagle ties in with Elijah, and I'm going to connect the two. But in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable how many of y'all, the Lord ran you down. You got tired first before the Lord got tired of you. It got tired. That was me. Like I kept, I kept trying to run and I'd look back behind me and Jesus is still at hundred percent energy. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, I can do this forever, but you're going to get tired. And just the sooner you get tired of your own strength, then, then that's, as soon as I can help you and you can experience my strength. And so he doesn't, he doesn't grow weary, he doesn't grow tired. Verse 29, he gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. How many of you have felt powerless before in your life? Well, he's saying when you feel powerless, he will give you power. He gives you the power to overcome. Verse 30, though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. He's saying, No matter how strong you are in your own strength, you still stumble. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength, they will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And so this phrase, mount up with wings like eagles, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament it says you will grow feathers like the eagle and so what eagles do is when when they're weak and um, they're ready to die they'll start shedding their feathers and they'll go into a nest and they get close to the point of death and if when their feathers grow back they have, because their old feathers actually can't, they're like used up. Like they don't work as well. You can't fly as high. And so they'll grow new feathers and they'll, they'll fly and they'll renew their strength. They'll, and, and so this is what the Lord's saying to us is like it's time to, to be willing to die. It's time to shed old things off and it's time to grow new feathers. And the, and the, and the eagle goes back to its nest. And I just feel like it's a picture of every God is calling all believers back to the secret place, to his bosom, to his home, to his presence. And so one of the things that, you know, how how many of y'all know about ravens? I, I, I used to lifeguard at Hilton Head Island and ravens were the smartest bird out there on the beach out there with the seagulls. Seagulls are just brave. Ravens are smart and brave. And uh, you would see people with a picnic out on the beach and the raven would, would stand there. They'd be looking at it and the raven would just be like, that, the person would literally turn their head and they'd do this. Person look back at the raven, raven does this. Person turns their head. And then they, man, they were smart. And they, um, they worked together. And sometimes ravens will try to—but ravens are are really—they're an unclean animal in the Bible. You can't eat ravens because they're birds uh, that eat dead things. They eat carcasses. They're like vultures. So you're not allowed to eat those type of birds. And so it represents defilement. It represents uncleanness. And sometimes ravens will actually try to attack eagles and get on their back— and eagles, for the most part, ignore them or what they do, what eagles do to get rid of ravens on their back is they just keep going up higher and higher and higher and higher till the raven can't breathe and the raven has to let go. And so God is just calling us up to, to live above all of these, all the defilements in the world, <laughs> all the junk that's happening, all the things that you feel emotionally And to live from a higher place, to live from that place that's in Jesus Christ. But we have to grow new wings. We have to, maybe, we have to grow new habits or those wings that are going to take us up to a different place. But Elijah, after he confronted the prophets of Baal, Jezebel threatened his life and he ran. And he went, he got to a tree. And was ready to die. He was just in the shade of the tree. He says, Lord, it's, it's been enough for me. Just take my life. And the Lord wasn't done with Elijah yet. And he fed Elijah with ravens. Ravens brought him food. Now, that was a no-no. Why would God send ravens, an unclean bird, to feed Elijah? I think the reason is, is that God, it's a picture of God uses all things for the good, and what he calls clean is called clean. And so just as Jesus touched the leper and and made him clean, in the Old Testament, a leper touches you, you got to be quarantined for seven days. But with Jesus, when he touches, when the leper comes to him, he touches the leper, and the leper is made clean. And so I feel like that's when the ravens are feeding you God's saying, I work all things for your good. So right now, in your circumstances, God's working things for your good. The the plans of the enemy that have tried to come against you, they're actually going to feed you. God uses that type of thing to actually feed you and make you stronger and to build you up. And so you have this this spirit of Elijah. And I want you to turn to uh, Malachi chapter 4. malachi sometimes pronounced malachi he's the italian prophet um you turn to malachi chapter four it says "For, for behold verse one the day is coming burning like a furnace this is talking about when jesus is coming back right how you know we know We're at least one day closer to Jesus coming back than we were yesterday, right? So, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, we've been talking about the fear of the Lord, right? Remember I said I was going to start a series, and I, I, I... yet have not completed another series, I'm just going to not, if I ever do a series, I'm not going to tell you, all right, because every time I tell you, hey, I'm going to do a series, it gets blown up, but anyways, but we've been talking. we have been talking about the fear of the Lord, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Now, it's making a distinction between two people, two types of people in this verse, all right, it says, for those who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. So it's, you're going to be made whole and there's going to be everlasting joy upon you. You will tread down the wicked for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I'm preparing. So you're going to be trampling over your enemies. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and the ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. The day when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a great day and it's going to be a terrible day. It's going to be a great day for those who fear the Lord. And it's going to be a terrible day for those that don't know the Lord, that don't fear him. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with the curse. And so there is the spirit of Elijah scripture tells us is going to come before Jesus comes back. It's going, to, it's going to forerun, just like John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah on him, as it says in, in Luke, he was the forerunner of Jesus' first coming. But now it's going to be a, a whole company of people that carry the spirit of Elijah that's going to forerun before Jesus' second coming, and we're in that time right now. I've been praying for us. I've been praying for myself that we would carry that spirit of Elijah that turns the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Is there anything, and mothers are included in this, but is there anything more important than children and parents turning their hearts back to one another? I I say if you have healthy families, like 90% of parachurch ministries go away. Like you you pretty much would be left with Outreach. Outreach ministry. Not that our, anybody's parents are perfect or anything like that, except my kids. Uh, but, uh, so, so so, the spirit of Elijah is actually is a fathering spirit. And I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. So what does a fathering spirit look like? Well, let's look at the people who who walked in that. Let's look at Elijah. First Kings 18. There we go. Now I know why my librarian always did this. Yeah. And so... I'm going to tell you some of the story. We'll read a few of the scriptures. But Elijah has asked for a showdown with the prophets of Baal. We're probably, a lot of you are probably familiar with this story. And they've dug, they've, the prophets of Baal, which is 400 prophets. And you got Elijah by himself. And they've dug, a, they've sacrificed a, an ox, built trenches. In our, actually, the, the prophets of Baal just... They just had a pile of wood and the ox. Elijah, his altar was an ox with a bunch of wood with a trench filled with water. Water poured on top of the sacrifice three times over. It's soaking wet. He let the prophets of Baal go first, and they're dancing around. Nothing's happening. And he says, Whoever, if whoever's God answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice, that's, that is the, the one true God so he let the prophets of Baal go first. They dance all morning. He's like, maybe Baal's asleep. Maybe Baal's gone off on vacation. This is literally kind of what he's saying. <laughs> maybe he's wandered off. Why don't you try harder? And so they start cutting themselves, and they mutilating themselves, which is a demonic manifestation as well. And so they eventually, they do it all day. They do it all day. Nothing happens. And then Elijah says, all right, it's my turn. He, he prays to the Lord, and the Lord sends down fire and consumes the whole sacrifice and even burns up the dirt around this, the altar. And so then he, he goes and he, he slays all the prophets of Baal. And so in verse 21, it says, Elijah came near to all the people. So you have all of, the, all of Israel is watching this showdown. It's like the Super Bowl. All of Israel gathered around and watched this showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Because what they were doing is they were mixing up their, their worship. They're like, uh, we'll, we'll worship the Lord. And then like, we'll go over to this high place and we'll worship Baal. And then we'll sleep with the temple Baal prostitute. And then we'll go to the temple of the Lord and offer sacrifice. They were, they were trying to do both. And how many of y'all have lived that life where you try to do both? I have. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for God. doesn't work for you. In verse 21, Elijah, he came, he's looking at Israel. He says, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. And I believe that this is the question right now for the church is how long are we going to hesitate between two opinions? How long? If God, if if he is God, if he really is God, then we need to follow him. We need to give everything to him. I I, I read this uh, quote by Ben David Fitzgerald. And he says nothing says I love you. To, or he says nothing says I love you, Jesus, like obeying Him. <laughs> nothing says I love you, Jesus, like obeying Him. And Jesus said that. He says if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Graham Cook, they had a man years ago in their church who was uh, having sex with his girlfriend, and they. They said, listen, man, hey, this isn't what God desires for you. He's like, well, God loves me. God will forgive me. I don't really think what I'm doing is that big a deal. He's like, no, this, this, this is a big deal because God says not to do it. it. You know, they went through all the reasons why, what it does to you before marriage. He's like, well, he's like, I love Jesus. And Graham said, no, you actually don't. Because if you did love Jesus, you would turn away from this. And that's what, this is what Elijah is saying right here. And so there's people who are, they're, they're riding the, the fence of faith, and, and like we're coming to, a, we need to choose the Lord today. Just as, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I forgot, I got, I got slides up here. So, Jocko Wheeling, um, he says, hesitation is the enemy. It allows the moment to pass, the opportunity to be lost, and the enemy to get the upper hand. And so, this is Elijah saying, you're, you're hesitating between two opinions. And I was telling somebody the other day, I can't remember what it was about, but I just said, you know, if I'm going to die, let's die on the battlefield. Why, why, why die in a cave? hiding but let's die on the battlefield you're gonna die but let's let's die on the battlefield and it's not just between you and the lord you got little ones watching you even if you don't have kids you got little ones watching you and this is what the spirit of elijah is about it's about this next generation it's about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children now the first step is that fathers got to turn back to the children Fathers got to turn back to the children and that may mean a, a, a dad humbling himself to his wife it may mean a dad humbling himself to his children but you we we take the first step and a lot of us Or or some of you, you may have never had somebody initiate that. You may have not had a father initiate anything with you. you. You may not even know what it looks like to take that first step. But Scripture says you have a father in heaven. You have Holy Spirit who teaches you the ways of Jesus. And when you ask him to help you, he will help you. That's what Holy Spirit does. He's the helper. And so... St- the spirit of Elijah, it starts with fathers taking the first, the first step. Now, I want you just to know, as there, there is war on fathers. You are the tip of the spear for warfare and being on the offensive. And I've gone through this before, but I just felt like we needed... This is an example of... This was a national organization of women... And by the way, sometimes when you preach, you have to clarify what you're not saying. I'm not saying women are uh, less than men and, and wives have a lesser role than fathers in the, in the house. I'm just saying they have, dif- they have different roles, right? Just like if you're on a, on a team, the catcher has a role, pitcher has a role, and so on. You get what I'm saying. So there's this National Organization of Women founded by a woman named Kate Millett, who was a Marxist feminist, okay? And so, obviously, when you talk about radical feminism, it's, 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 at, the, it's at the cost of demoting men and fathers, of casting it down, where instead of just empowering women and empowering men. And so there's a, there's a difference there. So the radical feminism is tries to exalt women alone as, as elite, I guess you could say. So she wrote this book called Sexual Politics and she assembled a conscious raising group which sounds very benign, but it's very dangerous. This, and that's what Marxist terminology uses. It uses benign language to sneak in its agenda assembled a consciousness at raising group, which was common communist exercise practice in Maoist China. They started meetings with back and forth recitation, recitations a litany, much like a prayer done in Catholic churches. And so they would say, Kate Millett would say, why are we here today? They would respond, to make revolution. What kind of revolution? The cultural revolution. And how do we make cultural revolution? By destroying the American family. How do we destroy the American family? By destroying the American patriarch. How do we destroy the American patriarch? By taking away his power. How do we do that? By destroying monogamy. How do we destroy monogamy? By promoting promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, and homosexuality. And so they proceeded with a long discussion on how to advance these goals by establishing the National Organization of Women. So it sounds like it's pro-woman, but it's actually anti-man. It was clear they desired nothing less than the utter deconstruction of Western society. The upshot was that the only way to do this was to invade every American institution. Everyone must be permeated with the revolution. The media, the educational system, universities, high schools, K-12, school boards, etc. Then the judiciary, the legislators, the executive branches, and then the library system. And so there is, I, I just use that as an example to say there is an intentional agenda against fathers and against men taking their place. Don't, let's look at uh, verse 24. It says, Then you will call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the Lord who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, this is a good idea. And so we need the fire of the Lord. We need the fire of the God that draws a line in the sand. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And so Israel, the name Israel means God prevails. And so the purpose of Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal was to to prove the supremacy of God over other gods. And so God is telling us to remember our name, that God prevails. This is your name that he's given us. God prevails. This is the place that we live from. And then verse 37 through 40, this was Elijah's prayer. He said, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have turned their heart back again. What was the purpose of the fire? To turn their hearts back again. What does Malachi 4 say? To turn the hearts of the fathers back again to the children. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones. What does 1 Corinthians say about wood, stones, hay? It says all that. Everything that man builds will be burned up by the fire of the Lord. This is a picture of God burning up our kingdoms so that only his remain. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. (laughs) So it's like God's just, he's just saying like, I'm going to do all that my word says. Do you want to join me? When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I believe if we have families on fire for Jesus, we're going to have people watching our lives and they're going to say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And this is why we need, we need the fire. We need to pray. We need to cry out for God to baptize our hearts with fire. Even if you've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even if you've been rocked by Jesus multiple times, you've, been, you've gone out in the spirit, you've had dreams or whatever, you need fresh oil. You need fresh fire. We all need it. And the only way you keep the fire burning is you look into the eyes of the one whose eyes are like fire. You become what you behold. 2 Corinthians 3 says, when we behold him, we become like him. And so my... My invitation is particular, Is first to the fathers. It's for you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and ask for his guidance and what you need to do. Maybe, maybe right now, he may not be saying anything to you right now, but maybe in a, later on this week. He shows you something to do maybe right now he's telling you something to do but it's it's all about taking the form and the attitude that jesus did he humbled himself and became like like a servant even though he was given the greatest authority he is the son of god he could pull he could pull the uh, trump trump card lever anytime he wanted to call the angels down but he didn't he chose to come as in the form of a servant. My challenge is is first to the fathers. What's What's the next step that God's asking you to do for your family? Even if you don't have children, what's the next step that he's asking you to do in your marriage? Because you're laying foundation for your children right now. This is the foundation. Everything you do has purpose. Everything you do is building something. To the moms, same challenge for you. this is about our families this is about the generations that follow some of you you've changed you've already totally shifted the trajectory of your family tree you've gotten on the on the tree of on the tree of life instead of the knowledge of the tree of of good and evil and you you're you're creating this place where god can bless up to a thousand generations you've been breaking off curses but right now, what God, what I feel like most desire, He says, you know, all of this is not going to happen unless you are with me in the secret place. Every one of us. Unless we're spending time in it. I don't know, your secret place can be your car, it can be your office at your job. I, I don't, that's not for me to determine. But your time with Jesus, where he pours oil on your head. You remember in Psalm 126, it says. About it says how how beautiful and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity is like oil on the head. Of of Aaron going down his beard and over his robes, and so the the way oil flows down and it starts with the head and everything that's under its authority. And so one of the, the role of the father is as a priest in the house. And so you want oil on your children, start with oil on yourself. You want oil on your wife, start with oil on yourself. Because that's we're not we can't get by on somebody else's understanding and revelation of God in the days ahead. It's just not gonna work for you. You're gonna be shaken. So if the worship team will come back up here. And this is, I just want us to give Holy Spirit Remember, We're going to worship. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Holy Spirit, what do you, is there anything you desire for me to do? What would you have me do? Your servant is listening. And just obey him. Maybe it's you ask somebody to pray for you or maybe you pray for somebody. I don't know what it is. But let's just listen to the Holy Spirit and worship as we come to this ministry time. If If you would like prayer, you can come up to me. I'll pray with you. We have some of our ministry team here, and we'll pray with you that way. So let's worship.